Hi, and welcome to the Genesis Podcast. I think it's so neat that you're able to join us through this medium, and it means so much to me personally to hear that this has been used to encourage so many of you. It has always been the posture of Genesis to tangibly extend the love of Jesus in various ways, both locally and across the world. We support programs that assist families in need, contribute to ongoing works and building projects in Mexico. We've built a latrine and cafeteria for St. Andre's School in Haiti, as well as are advancing a food program there that we hope will help feed the children for years to come. The money collected for all these endeavors could have paid for a facility of our own many times over, but instead, we've intentionally chosen to be a mobile community since we began. We now have before us an opportunity to invest in a building of our own. We're not doing this, however, without considering the works we're committed to or even the works we feel compelled to keep doing in the future. But we're asking, if you've benefited from this podcast or from anything that Genesis has done, would you consider partnering with us by donating to this work directly at www.thegenesisstory.com and click on the Building Fund tab. Joshua told the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Together, let's prepare for an amazing tomorrow. Thanks, and God bless. Well, good evening. Good evening. We're continuing uh, our series on learning to lead. This is actually part nine of our series. So we've gone over two months on that. And, you know, this, this isn't just about people who think they want to be leaders in the church. I think it's important to recognize that when we decide that we are going to be followers of Jesus, that he calls us to lead people to who he is, to be examples of his love to others, that leadership is involved and it it shows up in many ways. It doesn't show up as a person who necessarily has to be a pastor, teacher, or a worship leader, as we call them. Um, A person leads by uh, showing faith in times of difficulty, even much like Dave and Terry are taking role as a leader, I think, to many people. Um, Before... We started tonight, uh, we had Brian, many of you know, a friend of mine, and uh, a friend of his named Aaron came, and they were looking to use this space for an event, and Aaron uh, went through tragedy. Her son was hit by a car a few years back over on Benson and Arrow, and from that, Aaron has emerged to really become a leader to many people who are going through grief. She has helped many people through that process. And so here is another incident where something that was really crippling in her life at that time, God has worked so much in her heart that she is now helping others in these places of grief to find hope. And so she very much is a leader in in that regard. And I think it's important to see that. Uh, Years ago, I read a book by Seth Godin, who's not a follower of Christ, as far as I know of, but he is someone who deals with the business world. And he wrote a book called Tribe, We Need You to Lead Us. And the whole purpose of the book, hey, Kurt, was to help people get past a mindset where you just do what someone tells you to do, keep your job, and that's all that's necessary. That the businesses that are thriving right now are the ones who have people who are allowed input. In other words, it's not just I'm the manager managing all these other people. It's like we need people who will be more than managed, but who will actually have a say in what's happening. So the person who works in the warehouse understands that, you know what, if we did this differently, we could actually save a lot of time and money. The company needs that if they're going to survive. And that's how a person actually starts to elevate themselves positionally is by having that kind of a mindset that I'm actually a person who can lead. I'm not just here to take orders, do what I'm told. And I remember going through the book feeling so much that this really is so applicable in our faith community because what 
we call church is made up of many members and we are all supposed to be contributing to what God is doing. And so this idea of leadership is really one that's encompassing or including all of us. And I'm going to be in First Chronicles chapter 11 tonight. First Chronicles chapter 11, I'm going to read verses 15 to 19. I'll give you a second to, to turn there. And so remember in uh, Jesus's small group, his 12, even in that group, there were some that were with him more and are spoken about more. And we know who they are, right? The three, what were their names? Peter. Right? Peter, James, and John. Everyone's like, what? it's a question. It was a trick. No, it's a... Peter, James, and John. We see them on the Mount of Transfiguration. We, we see them in, at times when the others weren't there. They were kind of the ones who went to the garden. They were the ones who were by Jesus' side. And there is a reason that, for that. And there are people who step into areas that allow them maybe more access or even give them the ability to do more. And I think we see that here in First Chronicles chapter 11, starting at verse 15. It says, three of the 30 chief men went down to the rock to David at the cave of Adullam when the army of the Philistines was encamped in the valley of Rephaim. So drop a uh, backdrop here. David is on the run from Saul. He is hiding. He is an exile from his own country and from where he's at. And the Philistines here are coming after him. And he is basically in need to be back in his own country, but he can't be. And so he's surrounding himself with people. And here we see there are 30 chief men. These are people who are chiefs. These are people who are higher up in his basically control an army at that time. Verse 16, David was then at, in the stronghold and the garrison of the Philistines was then at Bethlehem. And David said longingly, oh, that someone would give me water to drink from the well of Bethlehem that is by the gate. Then the three mighty men broke through the camp of the Philistines and drew water out of the well of Bethlehem that was by the gate and took it and brought it to David. But David would not drink it. He poured it out to the Lord. He said, far be it from me before my God that I should do this. Shall I drink the lifeblood of these men? For at the risk of their lives, they brought it. Therefore, he would not drink it. These things did the three mighty men. And so now we see that three out of the 30 stood out. These three became known as the three mighty men. They were all 30 chiefs, but here were three mighty men. And the first thing we notice is these men didn't do it for fame, but they pursued faithfulness. They didn't pursue fame, they pursued faithfulness. And that's one of the marks of a leader is to pursue faithfulness. It's what we want. All 30 of the chiefs were leaders in some capacity, but these three did more and they raised the bar of what it meant to be a leader. And we're gonna look at some of the things they did and how they can apply to our lives as well. The first thing is they showed up. They were there with the 30. They were near David when he spoke out. They heard David's words because they showed up and were there. In 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 2, it says, Moreover, it is required of stewards that they be found faithful. Faithfulness is such an important part of leadership, just being there and just showing up. When David spoke, they were able to hear. What would happen if they weren't near? What would happen if they weren't there? This story would not be here. If these three men did not hear this story, they would not have carried this out. They had to be there for it to take place. And sometimes just showing up is where things start. Think about Thomas. He wasn't there the week after when Jesus rose from the dead and he appeared to them. 
He had to hear about it from the others. Why? Because he wasn't there. Now, Jesus appeared to him later and he said, my Lord, my God. But that's because he wasn't there the first time. Where was he? I don't know. You know, it wasn't necessarily a bad thing. But we see that when you're not there, you miss out. You know, so many times I've gone and heard a talk from someone, a, a message that was given, and it spoke to my heart spoke to my life. It like, wow, I'm so glad I was here because I really needed this. You know what? I probably really needed something the week before and I was just not there. There are times when I actually have feel like God puts people on my heart when I'm preparing a talk. I do put effort into these things. I I do spend time and studying and and there are times when I'm putting things together and I think, "Oh man, you know, Mauricio, boy, I wonder if he's going to be okay. You know, those cookies he brought, you know, I, I just have thoughts in my mind sometimes of the people who are part of our community when I'm putting things together. And sometimes I feel as if God is giving me insight to maybe a situation and I'm actually sharing things that I think God would want shared in that situation. I never try and point it out and make someone embarrassed, but what if God did speak to me as I was putting something together and you didn't show up that Sunday or that midweek, then you wouldn't get to hear what it was. Now, it's not for my sake. It's actually was to your detriment that you weren't there to hear what was going on. And so the first thing we see is that they show up. Now, this shows up in our life in every area too. work. You got to be there. You got to show up. You, you've got to be on time. You've got to make it to the meetings. You've got to be present when you're there. If you're going to be someone who is noticed, you have to be there. If you're going to lead, the first thing you need to do is show up and be there. God is waiting for us to show up. He's waiting for us to, to lend our ear, just like these three men did to David. He's waiting for us to, to be there so that when he speaks, we can respond. And so a leader needs to show up. And not only does a leader need to show up, but a leader needs to move forward or, or move to the front lines. Notice in verse 17, David said longingly. I love that. Like, can you ever spoken longingly of something? You know, longingly, or, or maybe some things can bring back memories. I mean, David thought about the water at the well in Bethlehem. But every time I walk into an Italian delicatessen, I'm reminded of my childhood. I, I remember my grandmother taking me and dragging me, you know, into the store and getting a big barrel or a pickle from the big barrel of pickles. I mean, I just go in there and every now and then I'll walk into that store and I'll longingly remember the time when I was just a child and I would get that giant pickle or whatever it is. There, there are things that just we long for. And you see, David was longing for these things. He thought longing for these things. You see, they moved forward. They were close enough to hear David's words and they were willing to move forward to do it even though it was dangerous. You see, the front lines are dangerous. You don't always come back alive or whole. And what we want many times if we are going to be doing something for God or leading something. We want God's assurance that everything's going to go well and we're going to be okay. I want God to sign that, you know, here's the guarantee that if you do this, you will succeed, signed God. And it doesn't always work that way. God wants us to sign that we will follow him even if we don't succeed. That it's not success we're looking for. It's the longing of what God wants that we want to fulfill. And so we see that they were willing to move to the front lines because of what their king longed for. They were willing to put themselves in harm's way to accomplish something. And leaders have to be willing to do that. They have to be willing to move forward and take the risk. You have to. It's part of what comes with that territory of being a leader. We see it in military. We see it in business. We see it in 
our faith. Faith is a risky thing. It's never a guarantee. It's meant to be risky. We trust God in spite of the risk. Not that it'll succeed, but that we will be near to the one as he's longing for these things. And so that's what they did. They stepped and moved forward towards the front line. In verse 18, we see even more how it says, then the three mighty men broke through the camp of the Philistines and drew water out of the well of Bethlehem that was by the gate and took it and brought it to David. They did what was unexpected. That's the third thing. Leaders do what's unexpected. No one expected these three guys. The 27 other chiefs did not expect anyone to do that. I don't know if they asked anyone. They might have said, you're crazy. Don't do that. There's too much risk. Why would you do that? It wasn't expected of them. I, I wonder what the Philistines thought. Here comes three guys. They break through. They fight through. Where did they go? Are they going to try and assassinate the king? No, they didn't do that. Did they go for the horses? No, they didn't do that. Did they go for the weapons? No. Where did they go? They went to a well. Did they poison the well? No. What did they do? They got some water. Then what did they do? They fought their way out with the water. It makes no sense. It's so unexpected. You mean they fought their way in, got some water, fought their way out and left? Why? It wasn't expected. And what I love about this is they went from warriors to water fetchers and it wasn't below them. It wasn't beneath them to go and fetch water even though they were warriors. You see, if you're going to be a leader, you can't be too proud to serve. You know, it would really change the world is if leaders began to serve and servants began to lead. It would really start to change the attitude in society. And I love that about them. And this, again, is true in places of work. If you only do what's expected, will you be noticed? I just did my job. I did what was expected of me. God's looking for people who will go beyond what is expected and become leaders. Maybe... Something that you're thinking about is beneath you. But maybe what you're thinking is beneath you is actually a platform to elevate you. Maybe that thing that you see as being low is actually something that is above. And if you step on that, you will actually be elevated to those things. And it so moved David that it became an offering of worship for him. If you do... Only what's asked of you, you'll never elevate to the potential that God has placed in you. See, God's put something in you that's bigger than just the status quo. And sometimes what you need to do is go to that place of servanthood so that you can step to the place that God has for us. And one of the struggles I have sometimes is asking or demanding things of people. I don't want to demand anything. I don't want to be one of those pastors who is demanding of the people. Hey, I'm the pastor. Listen to me. I don't want to demand that people do things. What what I want is for people to do things because they're inspired to, because they long to. If I say something or I have a vision and people also feel inspired with that same vision and move forward with that, that's what I want to see. So I don't want to see, you know, hey, do this and I start barking out commands. I want people to respond to those things. You see, that's what we need to be if we're going to be leaders. Fourth thing we see that leaders act before they're asked. David never asked them to go and get that water. That was their own. No one would have expected it and no one probably would have asked that of them. They don't wait for approval or often even confirmation. God, if you want me to go get that water from the well in Bethlehem, give me a sign. 
they actually stepped out to do that. And I think it's important for us to understand because oftentimes we want so much certainty that God is leading us that we end up doing nothing because we're afraid. And that fear keeps us from taking the steps that move us forward because it's uncertain. And and I don't believe that if you step out and do something that is good, you know, I want to go and help, you know, the children who are in the orphanage down in Mexico. And you go down there and do that and the end of your life, you're standing before God. I don't think God is going to be mad at you and say, why did you go and help the orphans? I did not want you to do that. I wanted you to help the orphans in, you know, Haiti, whatever. I don't think God's going to be upset that you did something good. What I don't want is to do nothing and God say, why didn't you do something? You see, I think God wants us to do what's good. And I don't think we need to be asked. I think he's already told us this is what we're supposed to do. You were created in Christ to do good works that God has preordained for you to walk in. That's what the scriptures tell us. We've been created in Christ to do good works. What are the good works? I think there are any good works. I don't think God is so concerned with what good works you're doing. I think he's concerned with you doing good works because that's why you were created. That's the purpose. And so leaders act before they're asked. I would rather God ask me, why did I do so much instead of why did I do so little? And then the fifth thing, the final thing, is leaders do the impossible. Before these three guys went out and did this, it was impossible until they did it. And then all of a sudden, it was possible. The Wright brothers flew before everyone thought that they could fly. It was impossible that you could put your entire music collection into your pocket, but now it's possible. It was impossible that you could talk and see someone face-to-face on the other side of the world for free, and we can do it now with FaceTime, Skype, and it's possible. You see, someone had to think of all these things, even though at one time they were impossible to do them. They had to think, you know what? I think we can do this and make it happen. I I think that we can move towards this direction because I think we really can fly. I think we really can digitalize music and put it in this form. I think these things can happen. Before, no one had that concept. It was impossible. And then they did it. See, I feel like if I do something that's impossible, then God shows up. And it's almost like I want to do something that is impossible unless God shows up because that is putting my trust in him. And if he doesn't show up or it doesn't succeed, I'm not going to be, oh, no, I did something bad because I'm still doing something good. Maybe it just struggled. Maybe it was only good for a season. Maybe it was meant to be good for my own heart, not necessarily do something like that, but at least I did something that was good. And notice that what they did actually caused David to sacrifice to God. That their work of doing something that was impossible led David to a place where he took the water and he poured it out. I mean, when I first read this story, I thought, what did he do with the water? Why would he do something like that? Right? These poor guys, you know, wait, don't do that. We went through so much. But you see, what David did was sacrifice. Instead of drinking this water that really was his desire to be back home, instead of drinking this from the well and enjoying it, he sacrificed it to the Lord. It actually led him to worship. And their act that was impossible affected David so that he actually worshiped God. 
I think the ability and talent God gave us will help us bring others to a place of sacrifice and worship. That if you want to be a leader, move others to sacrifice, move others to worship, move others to follow, and then also to be able to lead. I mean, we see this perfectly in Jesus. We see Jesus as a leader, but he was the complete servant. He never asserted himself in a position of authority. That authority was given to him. And it showed up in his faithfulness to actually sacrifice. And sacrifice is going to be at the heart of leadership. At least the leadership that looks like Christ, that looks like God. When you get close to God and find safety in him, often what you're going to do is find that he moves you to the front lines so that you can bring safety to others. Just like the lady I was talking to you about who was in the front lines of tragedy when her son was killed, found safety in God, and then God moved her to the front lines to an uncomfortable place so that she could bring safety to others, that they could now have what she had. You know, one of the things that, as a parent, brings me pleasure and joy is being able to see my kids do well. Right now, my son Daniel and his wife, they're on this great vacation, right? They're in Italy. And, like, they're showing all these pictures. They were in Venice, and they're eating, you know, fresh fish on a beach somewhere. And I'm watching this, and I'm just like, oh, man, that's so great. And if it wasn't my son, I'd probably be jealous, you know. But because it's my son, I'm so excited for him. See, I want my son to have more than I have. I want my son to do better than I have done. I want... I want my kids to have as much as they can, and it brings me joy. And I think that's what's wanted. When we go to that place where we find this service in God, that we want to see this joy in others. We want to take it to other people. If if you settle for an easy life, if you settle for a small life, then I hope you get shaken up because otherwise you're not ready for a big God. Because God is wanting to use all of us in some capacity or another. And if we feel like, well, no, I'm just, I I believe in God and I know, you know, I'm in a good place and I have a relationship with God and I'm content, I hope God shakes you up. Because if you want to live a small life, why do you have such a big God? And if you think that's the only life you can have, then why do you have such a big God? He's big for you. You see, it's the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead that is able to bring life to our mortal bodies. Jesus said, the works that I've done and greater you shall do. And I don't think he meant miracles. I think he meant that we are supposed to continue his legacy of bringing the kingdom of heaven to the people who are here to make them aware that God has shown up in the person of Christ and that you can now be a part of what he's doing. If you don't believe that, then you don't understand the point of God sending Christ And sending his spirit and giving us his spirit. The whole purpose was that we could be his voice. That's what a leader is. What would happen if we believe that? We believe that God has given us of himself so that we could actually take it to others and be an example. What would happen if we were be and take the the lessons here from these three men? 
and that we would believe that we are meant to do the impossible, that we are going to do what's unexpected, that we are not afraid. We will go to the front lines, that we will show up. We will listen to his voice and do those things. I had a small or a short little uh, video I want you guys to watch. It's a kind of a poem that talks about this. Leaders follow a risen Christ. And a risen Christ takes you to amazing places. And this is true for us no matter what sphere of life we are in, whether it's at a place of work. If you belong to Jesus, we all have the same mission. It is to move people to a place of worship. It is to move people to a place where they too can live. And so I do it in my home with my children, my wife. I I do it at work with the people who I, I train. I do it in my family of faith. I I follow a risen Christ there. I I live as if this is real. Because it is. And you see, it takes a leader to move into this place that's unknown, unexpected, and impossible. And if we are going to be people who lead, then we have to follow closely. And all those who follow Jesus, the earlier followers, they went through some hard things. All of them were persecuted except for John. Well, they're all persecuted. All of them were martyred except for John. So they all lived very hard lives. But they changed the world. They changed the world. Bless you. Their leadership changed the world. And God is asking us to do the same. He really is. I don't want to be someone who just believes. And leadership isn't a position. It's a direction that we're following the risen Christ. Are there any questions about this or any thoughts that you have on what was shared, things that stood out to you or things you would like to add? I guess the question then is, what can you do? How do you find that out? Here were three men among 30 chiefs. You know, those men were all leaders to some degree. These three stood out to that. Um, You can lead somebody and you can lead something. Yeah, you you sure were. Um, Those four kids sure needed you. Um, I think we minimize the idea of leadership and we narrow what that looks like or what, you know, we see as a leader. It has to be a a person who's, you know, the head of a business or company or a pastor or, you know, a teacher. Those are areas of leadership. But um, we have people who lead in just areas of servanthood. You know, I mean, all the people who are serving here, I think of, you know, Val and Beth. They're great leaders, you know, and they're servants, but they're leaders, you know, and they're doing amazing jobs in their area of leadership. And if I were to say, oh, you're a leader, I would go, I'm not a leader, right? Well, every week you lead the men into how to set things up. And so we, I think, have to change one of our views of what leadership looks like and see how we fit into that. You know, I I think one of the things that happens, and and the reason I share this is a lot of us don't see ourselves as leaders. But you see, first you need to show up. And then you need to move forward. You need to go to the front lines. You need to take steps that are putting you in a position to kind of have to be there. 
you know? And then you have to act before you ask. You got to do something. You know what I want to do? I want to do this. You know, I shared Sunday about Sandra making the bears for the orphanage. That was her idea. I didn't come up with that. I had no inclination. You know, it would be great to give all those kids, you know, handmade stuffed bears with name tags. It wasn't in my mind. She came up to me and said, you know what I'd like to do? And I said, that sounds good. I was following her lead, right? Yeah, so all those kids now got a handmade stuffed teddy bear with their name on it. Why? Because she took charge. She asked or acted before she actually, she said, I'd like to do this. She took it on herself to do it. I said, yeah, go for it. She acted on it, okay? Yeah, she took charge, wanted to do it. I could have said no, right? Yeah, Grinch, you know, I mean, it's like, <laughs> you know, why would I do that? I mean, I guess there are some people who do that. But then, you see, what if, just a scenario, what if Sandra wanted to make the stuffed bears and I said no? And what if Sandra wanted to, you know, because she can do the sewing and those things, what if she wanted to do something else to help people and I said no? And what if she wanted to do something else to help and I kept saying no? Then what she needs to do is find the yes because I'm obstructing what she needs to be leading in and sometimes that needs to happen you know if a pastor is always saying no 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 then maybe you need to find a yes or a place where your yes can be done because you're being thwarted and and it's risky because there's so many things I've done that have been you know creative and have failed I did a concert one time. I, I did a mu- multiple concerts. We were putting on a big concert for the church I was at, and we were doing it at a high school. We rented a high school auditorium, a PA system, a band that was going to play there. And then throughout that week, I put on all these small concerts, had flyers printed out. For a whole week, we did nothing but promote this one concert that we were going to have came that Saturday night, I think it was, showed up there, and we had five people show up to the concert. Five people. We had more ushers and everyone around there than, it's like we had, you know, 30 people surrounding and five people standing in this huge auditorium. And I I was responsible for that. And so, you know, and I wanted to die. I wanted to die. Yeah, it was, oh, man. Yeah, I just thought, you know how many, how much money I wasted? Do you know all the time I wasted? Do you know all the things I wasted? You know what? I'm glad I tried. Yeah, Mauricio. Do you look at that as a waste or as a learning lesson? A learning lesson, definitely. At the time, I thought, look at what I wasted. Look at what I wasted. It was definitely a learning. And from that event, I did go on and I kept trying. I don't, you know, I look back now and I think, oh man, you were either really brave or stupid. You know, I don't know which you just, cause I went on and I did other events that went really well. You know, I knew what I was trying to do. Bless you. I knew what I wanted to see take place. I wanted to put on events where people who weren't church people came to that could hear, you know, the message of who Jesus was. And I knew that's what I wanted to do. And so I just kept trying to get there. You know, and I did a couple other events that were very successful in doing that. You know, and you know, credit to the pastor at that time who let me fail and let me try again. You know, and so, but sometimes that's the risk you have to take. I guess failure is failing to do anything. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, I say the word failure because in the standards of again what you would think an event for all that effort, time, money. You know, it wasn't a successful event the way we saw it. Was it successful in doing something in my heart? Yeah, it made me sick for a few days. It, you know, it made me rethink some things, how to do some things. So definitely was some learnings that came from that. But it wasn't what I intended. It wasn't successful. I wouldn't want to do it again. I wouldn't plan for that, you know, ever again. You know, it was a hard lesson. It was a hard lesson to learn. Why only five people? I think um, the fact that the band that was playing was not the bands that played during the week. And some of that was, in other words, like the kids liked the bands that were playing, 
but then we said, oh, and there's going to be another band there. And so there was a lost connection there. Um, I think there was something else going on that week with the schools um, where I didn't take into consideration. I'm trying to remember if it was like a holiday weekend or something like that. And so I think a lot of people were just gone. There was kind of a lot of things that I didn't plan ahead for in that regard. So those are things I learned from that looking back. This is a long time ago. I've tried to forget that. I still wake up crying. No, <laughs> it's just one of those events that, you know, it happens and you got to learn from it. But I don't want to stop. And, you know, truthfully, we get wounded when things do go poorly or we feel they fail or someone um, you know quenches that dream we have that desire we get discouraged and sometimes we want to quit I mean I find that still that happens with me um, where things will happen uh, with people friends and I feel it just takes the wind out of my sail and I feel deflated and I feel just uninspired and I feel unmotivated and God has to, again, kind of shake me up and bring me to a place and say, okay, what do you want to do? You know, and even as I shared Sunday, you know, I, I'm not content with just, and this is my own life, I'm not content with just sharing Bible studies um, on Sunday morning and here. I love you guys. It's not like you guys, it's your guys' fault. It's just I want to do more. I want to reach more people and I feel like I need to step outside and do more things if I'm going to reach more people. I think us as a, a faith community need to take steps of faith too. That's why a few opportunities for buildings now have kind of opened up that I need to pursue. It's going to be risky. Yeah, it's going to be. What if it fails and we don't get the building, you know, or it's more, you know, I, I've heard of one church that, uh, bought a building, they purchased it, they didn't lease it, they purchased it, and then they found out from the city, and this is a church with thousands of people, they purchased the building, and then they found out that the city will not allow them to have parking for more than like 50 people. And that's after they bought the building. Okay. You know, what do you do? Like, how do you get through that? Right? I mean, you have to. Things like that happen. You, you, when you go to the front line, sometimes you come back bloodied. Sometimes things don't go well. But do you stop trying? Did they say, okay, that's it, we're done, we made a mistake? That's not how it is, right? I mean, I'm thankful that this is my home, that you are my family. If we didn't have this building or the school, I'd still get together with you guys. At least I hope so. I'd still want to get together and I'd still want to meet and I'd still want to have talks and I'd still want to, because this is family. The building isn't going to stop us, but it'd be great if we had a place that could help us. And so, okay, let's take the chance. Let's step out. Let's do those things. And, and again, because I'm, quote, the pastor and the CEO, how this whole thing works out, I have to put my name on the thing, Right? So it's kind of like I have to put some skin in the game and I'm responsible for these things. Okay, I'll do it. Why? Because I, I got to. Otherwise, what am I doing? It's important. Any other thoughts or questions? No? Hello? Okay. In my own relationship with Jesus, I started to grow in a way that I felt I needed to continue growing. I needed to have a, a freedom and ability to uh, communicate to others uh, the things that I believed God was revealing to me in scripture and how he wanted me to live. And I knew I couldn't do that where I was. And so I had to take a step to do that, you know, I believe God had put, started doing a work within me years before I did that. And as the things started developing and I started having more conversation, especially to people outside church, um, 
and and trying to communicate to them was um, I was having difficulty doing it with the language that I had previously. Um, I don't know if that makes sense or not, where I, w- I basically, this is what I do to get a person to believe, you know, this is how I, I present the gospel and then they're supposed to do this. And it wasn't working for a lot of people that I knew. To them, this seemed very limited, very small. And from understanding where they were coming from, I had to agree that what I was presenting to them was very small compared to who God was and who I was seeing God to be. Yeah, like Paul did in Acts 17. Yeah, how Paul did in Athens, how he was able to bring the true God to the place where they believed in many gods. And to bring that clarity, he had to know where they were, what they believed in. He had to know their culture. He quoted their prophets. He was there. You know, I hadn't listened to secular music, quote, secular music, probably for, in a regular way, probably for about 10 years. All I knew was, quote, Christian music. And so when my kids would be playing other music, you know, I was like, is that Christian? You know, no, but it's good, you know. And I was like, that was kind of my, no, if it's not, quote, Christian. And then I realized that, I had no way of communicating, and here I was, the music leader, and I had no way of relating musically with my own kids who loved music because they were listening to things I had no clue about, and I was listening to things they had no clue about. Not that my music was bad and all their music was good. You know, there's content that, yeah, it was probably, you know, I'd have questions with, but not knowing it, limited my ability to have a conversation with him, you know. And where I was at, it's like, nope, you don't listen to that stuff. You don't watch, you know, these TV shows. You don't do these things. You don't do... And it wasn't just a matter of things that are really bad and you you know you shouldn't be a part of. It was like anything that's not sanctioned in the church became something that would make me unholy. And I started thinking, wait a second, we're washing the outside of the glass and the inside is still dirty like Jesus talked about. And and I really need, you know, to deal with the heart of issue. You know, uh, same thing like we talked about a while back, a few months ago, uh, about alcohol. You know, is alcohol bad? Well, sometimes it's really bad. You know, I have a lot of devastation in my family because of alcohol. Does that mean alcohol is bad? Or is it the choices made with alcohol? You know, why are there so many passages in scripture where alcohol is not only um, just seen in a way that's not negative, but even in a positive way? Where to do it in celebration. You know, why is that? Why, what, what is doing this? And I had to rethink, okay, so there are a lot of people who drink alcohol. Yeah, there's a lot of alcoholism. But maybe what's needed is not just no alcohol because prohibition sure didn't work. Maybe what's needed is teaching people how to be responsible with their music, with what they watch, with what they drink, with how they live, right? And that responsibility is what I see coming in scripture. You know, I don't God saying this is bad and this is good. This is bad and this is good. And that's what we want to do because it makes life easier for us. And so all those things moved me to have a different conversation than I was having. And I felt that I needed to have to be able to communicate more effectively to more people. You know, and I think even right now, you know, what I see Genesis is I'm trying to, again, through scripture, help people see what I believe is there. What Jesus did say, what he did do and communicate in these areas of scripture. You know, in a way so that we see things. Hey, Joe. <laughs> Poor Joe, he's waiting for that. Right? Um, and, and so having a, uh, a different way maybe to see things 
and I think is a clearer way, you know. Um, and so those are the things that moved me. I could go on and on about that, but that's kind of if that answers it. Mm-hmm. Joe, you have any questions? <laughs> <laughs> Anyone else have any questions? No? Okay, let's pray. Father, I do thank you for the challenge in Scripture, even stories like these mighty men uh, who, Lord, I know I read this and I want to be like them. I, I see so many people in Scripture and I think I want to be like that. I want to be a person like Paul who made such an impact. And Lord, it is the people who do these great things that we read about because the others, there would be nothing to read about. And so help us to live lives that are worth reading about. Help us to take the risks. Help us to to do those things that no one else thought to do or was unexpected. To have the boldness to live for you like the early disciples did that we could truly make a difference in the world around us. And and I pray, Lord, that we would see ourselves as leaders. I I pray, Lord, that Genesis would uh, grow into this kind of a community, that we would embolden one another to effectively represent you. And that way we could change the world. I do ask these things in your name, Jesus. You have been listening to the Genesis Podcast. We invite you to join us at one of our weekly gatherings. You can find more information at www.thegenesisstory.com as well as opportunities to help financially support this podcast. Thank you for listening.